This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my God and Cancel Culture podcast. It's a new podcast to draw attention to my book by the same title, which releases September 7th. All of these podcasts were already on my Strang Report, and today I'm doing a podcast I did with Jeff Struss, who is on our team at Charisma Media. He just joined as the Director of Content Development And in that role, he's out and about meeting with people, and he met with Cheon, actually attended a meeting he had with pastors, came back with a great story that we put online on charismanews.com. And it was so interesting that I invited Jeff into the studio, and he and I talked about what he experienced. I ended up using it in the book. Later on, I interviewed Cheon directly, have done some podcasts with him. But I think that you'll really enjoy this podcast. Jeff is just so enthusiastic, and I'm just so proud of the job he's doing. So stay tuned for my interview with Jeff Struss, mainly talking about how Governor Newsom shut down churches in California and how Cheon and a couple of other brave pastors stood up to him. And then at the end of the podcast, I come back with another message. Welcome to The Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to Jeff Struss. And I'm so happy to introduce him not only to my podcast listeners, but he recently joined our team at Charisma Media in a very important position. He is the director of content development, which means he's the guy that makes things happen. And his very first article for us online was the one we're going to talk about today. You can go on charismanews.com and check it out. When I do my newsletter, of course, I'll have a link to it. And uh, so welcome to my podcast and welcome to Charisma Media. Well, Mr. Strang, thank you so much. It's really an honor and privilege to be here. I'm so excited about being a part of the Charisma team and uh, being a part of what God is doing in this next season through Charisma Media. So it really is a privilege to be here. Well, we are really, really excited to have you here. It is a very interesting and in some ways difficult season in lots of ways. I just appreciate so much the passion that you have for the Lord and for life and for what you do. And... um, in fact, sometime we need to schedule a podcast and just dig in a little bit to your past and your spiritual odyssey. It's a very, very interesting, <laughs> very interesting story. But uh, what happened was, is that Cheon, who is a longtime friend of mine, in fact, I've known him since 1985, and I mean, we know the year because we both went over to um, visit uh, Dr. Yanggi Cho in Korea. And he is a Korean himself, and I just remember getting to know him on that trip. Neither of us were very old back then. (laughs) And uh, he has a great church um, in Pasadena, California. In fact, leads a whole network of churches. And so I've kind of followed his odyssey. We've done cover stories on him. I think we even did one on his son on Ministry Today back in the day. And then all of a sudden, he was the center of controversy out there in California when the governor shut down all the churches. And I did a podcast with him. I looked it up. It had a really catchy title. It's called Charisma Panel, 
Why have pastors been arrested and fined, and where will this lead? And it was on August 31st, if you want to look it up and listen to it, but I'll also uh, put a link in my uh, newsletter as well. The staff told me that more than 76,000 downloads, so it means that people must have really shared it, because that's a lot higher than average. And we found out that Che was going to be not too far from here, and we sent you down kind of like our investigative reporter, yes, to find out what was going on. <laughs> so uh, before we do a deep dive into what he covered, uh, what did you discover when you went down there? Well, it was a, a wonderful gathering, uh, you know, about 70 pastors from uh, the greater, you know, state area um, gathered together. The, the meeting was in a partnership with uh, All Pro Pastors, which is an organization that is really trying to serve and encourage pastors uh, as they serve and encourage the body of Christ. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Cheon was the keynote speaker, and uh, he did recap uh, his recent court battles and, praise God, recent court victory, which went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And so this was the highest stakes uh, sort of a situation. And it was 6-3 decision. A 6-3 decision. And I noted in my article, uh, Che made sure to say, hey, thank God uh, that President Donald Trump uh, uh, nominated and confirmed three Supreme Court justices that are conservative. Because that would have, if, if, there, if the three had been liberal, it would have been 6-3 the other direction. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, maybe for, perhaps for many of us, we, uh, we fail to recognize how uh, devastating a swing in the other direction could be long term, both for religious liberty and for the general well-being of our children and our grandchildren for generations to come. So I uh, am in full-hearted agreement with uh, Che. I, I thank God for that 6-3. Well, I'm so glad that he and a few other pastors stood up and fought because a lot of churches just passively shut down, went to online or whatever they did. And, uh, you know, I think that there were governmental officials who, you know, have no affinity for the church for whatever reason, who used it as an opportunity to flex their muscle. I mean, uh, you know, there are law- we, have a, we have a constitutional right to freedom of religion. And while churches were shut down, Home Depot was open, the grocery stores were open, the liquor stores were open. Uh, If I'm remembering correctly, even the marijuana uh, stores were open. The churches were closed because you could get COVID if you went to church. Planned Parenthood was open. (laughs) So, exactly. It's crazy. And if everyone had just passively gone along with it, yeah. It would have continued, and they would have seen, oh, the Christians will just go along with anything. Exactly. Which would be a very, very slippery slope. And so I just really admire him because, you know, if, like I said, I've known him, and he's a very gentle person. He, he is not real aggressive. Right. Um, he, you know, he would uh, rather get along. Sort of, I mean, he's, that, I'm talking about his personality, Correct. not his values or his ethics or anything, but boy, he, this, he has a backbone of steel. And uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council, uh, he's also a longtime friend. I think I did a, I've, I've done a bunch of podcasts with Matt Staver, and I think one of them was specifically on Che's um, case. And, you know, so we've kind of followed that. And even as when we did this pa- uh, panel, uh, 
you know, in late August, August 31st, it, there was no certainty how that would uh, play out, and it had not gone to the Supreme Court yet. So thank God he won. Thank it God. was a major victory for religious freedom. And now he apparently has this burning desire to go all over the country and, uh, you know, share this vision that he has uh, for defending the faith and so forth. So maybe uh, you could kind of tell me and tell the listeners what you put in your story um, about exactly what happened. Exactly. And, you know, Che shared it uh, at the meeting. Uh, following that su- Supreme Court victory, that 6-3 to three victory, uh, which not only gave him permission to um, uh, host uh, church services, it also uh, liberated him from the millions of dollars of fines that he was facing and the risk of imprisonment. And coming through that, he talked about getting before the Lord and really just crying out to God and recognizing even with that win, my goodness, uh, our nation is certainly still in a crisis. And from that, he, he explained uh, to the group gathered in Lakeland that the Lord started speaking to him about the blueprint of historic revival. Of course, I love revival services. I love revival meetings. I love it when people are getting touched by the Lord and getting healed and set free. But historic revival is something uh, on another level where it sweeps across the entire nation. He gave three points of what it looks like when historic revival shows up in a nation— um, the first point being the church gets revived. Um, you know, he said that even in California right now, with legal permission, still many pastors are not meeting in person. That there is a spirit of fear that's upon these pastors, upon these leaders, whether it's uh, fear of societal pressure or, you know, what happens if there's an outbreak in their church. Many pastors are choosing not to meet, and that's not okay. We need to see the church get revived. Secondly, he said uh, the, the point of historic bl- blueprint for historic revival is that the harvest comes in en masse, where we see uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands or even millions of people coming to know Christ. And then number three, society is transformed. He referenced William Wilberforce and his battle to see the ending of slavery in Great Britain in the 1800s. He mentioned that abortion is today's chief issue in America, that uh, one of the earmarks of, of seeing society be transformed will be the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But ultimately, when historic revival hits a nation, it touches every sphere and every sector within that nation. That's what we need in America for sure. And, uh, you know, we keep looking for... Uh, evidence of revivals. I did a podcast last week with a pastor. They're experiencing kind of a local revival in his church, a lot of people getting saved, a lot of excitement, a lot of fervor. But it seems like we're losing on nearly every level, and it's not just governmental interference. That's when you get fined and go to jail. But I mean, even the cancel culture that's happening, the fact that they make a big deal about, well, like, for example, I remember I did a podcast not too long ago during the COVID thing, and uh, Vice President Pence, who, or former Vice President Pence, who who is known as a strong Christian, um, they bowed their heads and had prayer before one of their task force meetings. 
and there was no recording. It was just video, and uh, he was lambasted that they were doing nothing about COVID. All they were doing is sitting around and praying. I mean, just the fact that they would do that, and then all this craziness that's happening with banning books, even Dr. Seuss, who would have thought? You know, one person does one thing, uh, you know, a lot of times they're even dead, and because of that, you know, they're almost wanting to scrub their historical record. Nobody, you know, I mean, well, if there are a few conservatives who speak up, of course, but I mean, it's just so crazy what's happening. And, you know, this isn't just a political or cultural battle, it's a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, of course, all through the Bible and has continued. There have been very, very many extremely difficult times in history. And some of those actually resulted in the religious freedom that we have here in this country, yes. partly as a result of what was happening in Europe in that era. And we have enjoyed it. The church has enjoyed it. We've had it so good for so long um, that we're just, like, shocked. So I'm glad that people are at least starting to... Um, you know, talk about this, and, and we know even from history that sometimes things have to get really bad before they get better. So uh, let's talk about the strategy for revival and reformation. That's really what, why I wanted to do the podcast. We had to kind of build up to this point. But Che kind of put a fleece before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when he cried out to the Lord and God started showing him the blueprint for historic revival, he, he uh, recalled to the room that he had a, a significant encounter with the Lord, felt uh, a, a real fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit fall upon him, and um, the Lord gave him a strategy for revival and reformation. But uh, he still wanted to make sure he was really hearing the Lord. And so what he did was he put a fleece out before, before God. He invited 12 major uh, leaders in the body of Christ, both megachurch pastors and uh, apostolic leaders uh, themselves, and invited all 12 of them to attend a meeting uh, in person where he could share. And every single one of the leaders said, yes, absolutely, we'll be there. Uh, he went a step further after sharing uh, with the leaders. He said, listen, if you all are in agreement with me in this, uh, we need uh, that that tangible sign of support and commitment. I'm asking for all of you to sow a $10,000 seed into the vision that I just shared with you. All 12 of them immediately said, we're in this. We believe this is God. Um, we're going to sow into it. So it was a significant story and a significant confirmation uh, for the mission and vision that God just gave Chael. You know, it may sound like a small thing, but I know from experience... <laughs> It's almost impossible to get a group to be united on anything. I don't care what group it is. You know, there's going to be one outlier who's just, you know, doesn't want to go along. So, you know, this was a significant fleece that he put out. And, of course, that goes back to the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. But um, and, and then he shared with them and then shared with this group that you met with uh, five points. So why don't we just kind of walk through them one by one? Absolutely. So point number one is that he's asking um, every church, and he's, he, he started in California, but he, he, he really believes this is a strategy for 
uh, every church in America, in every state, to start a house of prayer specifically to pray for the state. You know, he recalls that uh, the best decision he ever made was to have uh, Lou Engel come on his staff at, when he was planting Harvest Rock Church because uh, Lou Engel is a, a real champion of the modern-day prayer movement. But he said, well, we, we do a lot of praying right now, and we're praying for different things. He believes God wants us to target right now a specific and intentional prayer for the government, for political leaders, and for the elections in our states. And that as we begin to intentionally focus our prayer on those areas, we're going to see God move in those areas like never before. Boy, that's exciting. And then go on down the list. Number two is pastors must return to their first love for Jesus. And, you know, he recalls it, and, and I think everyone in the room was feeling it as they gathered. There's some fatigue coming through 2020 with uh, COVID, uh, racial tensions, uh, you know, the, the, the economy, election. the election. <laughs> yeah, you know, need we, need we say more? Uh, there is some fatigue and discouragement. And, uh, you know, he was standing before us all as a, a leader in ministry for many decades, and he's saying, listen, uh, everyone, we have to get that first love for Jesus back, and really focusing on the pastors and saying, listen, uh, judgment begins in the household of God. If we want to shift the nation, we've got to shift our own hearts. It's time to revive that love for Jesus and get our passion for, for revival back again. I mean, I've done a little bit of study of the great First Great Awakening and we have kind of an idealistic view of how good things were back then. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now on the pilgrims, but within 100 years, or a little over 100 years from when the pilgrims came, uh, things weren't so good spiritually in New England. And one of the things that Jonathan Edwards talks about was, um, I don't know what word he would have used, but how lackadaisical the ministers were, how... Uh, in some ways, corrupt they were, and and he, I remember in what I've read, and I haven't read everything that he wrote, of course, but uh, he was most concerned about that, even more than the people in the pew, and of course, the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening, in some ways, set the pattern for America all the way to our present day. Exactly. Because it shifted the... Um, the spiritual climate, it also set up some things in, in an odd kind of way for the American Revolution. Uh, in fact, I wrote an article in the very first issue of Charisma, which was in the bicentennial era, so I have just admitted how old I am, <laughs> and uh, I tried as a journalist to make a connection between that, and part of it was that uh, there came a unity among the colonies, and they sort of saw themselves separate from Great Britain. And uh, it did not lead to the war necessarily, but it led to a desire to be independent um, of Great Britain, which of course set the stage for, uh, you know, really the founding of America. That was followed in the early 1800s, of course, by the Second Great Awakening. Uh, I have a friend who calls some others Great Awakenings, but history generally doesn't. There was the holiness movement in the late 1800s, the Pentecostal movement and other movements in the last century. Um, but America has had a pattern of revival, much more than Europe has. 
uh, Europe has had them too. You'd have to call Wesley uh, a revival movement, uh, Luther, of course, uh, which, you know, <laughs> changed everything. But so we're praying for these revival meetings, and let's get back to the list. Sure. Number three, he implored uh, the pastors in the room to begin to hold public uh, revival meetings. And uh, he uh, certainly referenced uh, the Let Us Worship movement that uh, Sean Foyt is leading right now. Uh, his church is also holding uh, these uh, Dream Fests uh, outdoor gatherings where they have prizes for kids and, you know, more of uh, like carnival type atmospheres, but the, a raffle at the end where, of course, you have to hear the gospel before you get your prize. And they're seeing the harvest come in. And so while he's saying, listen, this is the time of shaking, this is the time of, 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 of crisis in many ways, people are ripe for the harvest. Cast your net, get outside the four walls, do something you've never done before, and hold public revival meetings and see what God will do. Amen. Number four? Number four is start a new small group. Uh, che calls it an ecclesia movement. The reality is believers are facing uh, persecution, they're facing resistance, they're facing difficulty, and we need to keep each other encouraged in the Lord more than ever before. And so his encouragement is saying, listen, many churches have small group ministries. We need to double down on it. We need to encourage believers. Start a small group in your lunchroom. Get, get a few believers together, uh, you know, regardless of what church you're affiliated with. Be intentional about fostering those small group environments where encouragement can come in, faith gets released, and then each of us become a catalyst for change wherever God's placed us. And number five? And number five, and I, 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 you know, it's hard to pick one that you like the most, but <laughs> if I had to, I might pick this one. Is he saying, listen, every church in America, he wants you to find one person in your congregation and run for office, run for school board, run for city council, run for sheriff, run for something. There are so many vacancies in our local governments that believers need to be there. Many of us are watching the news and we're saying, what are they thinking? Well, the reality is when you don't have strong biblical-based believers in those positions of influence, we're going to get the laws that we're seeing passed right now. And so Che is traveling the country, encouraging churches around America, listen, find a strong leader within your church, encourage that person, and have them run for local office. That's so important, and I ought to do a podcast on just that because, you know, the other side has a strategy. In fact, I was reporting on it in oh, 06, 07 time frame, uh, where they wanted to target uh, Rick Santorum-type people to sort of snuff out their political career. And sadly, they did that with Rick. They did. And there were some other examples um, as well. Uh, I was involved in the campaign with Catherine Harris down here who ran and lost for Senate. And she was, uh, was and is a strong Christian. And it was like she was targeted. And I could give some other examples too. Now, 
these people don't always lose, but often they do. I have a really good friend who's in Tallahassee, uh, state rep, newspaper called him the most conservative legislator in Tallahassee, and they didn't mean it as a compliment. Right. But he's also a very strong Christian and very strong for pro-life and, and has really done a lot of good. The other side poured $3 million in a state representative race. And... $3 million. The job only pays $30,000 a year part-time. Right. And, um, you know, thankfully he won. But he won by half the margin that he probably should have won by. Sure. And um, so I only say that because I saw up close and personal exactly what... And they, they, they didn't really make fun of his religion, but they made fun of... They just ridiculed him uh, as if... He was weird somehow, and we can't have a weirdo, a weirdo religious person in office. That was kind of the, you know, kind of the thing. I saw some of the commercials. They were just, they were just vicious. Yeah. And um, so we need to be involved. And my friend David Lane, I, it's about time for me to do another podcast with David. Uh, he he has articulate. He's also from California. He's articulated the same thing, and, and there have been a number of people in California in particular that have run and won. Uh, Rob McCoy comes to mind and uh, some others. And um, we need more people who have the foundation of who they are is uh, biblical. And then, of course, you know, there's some just some good old conservatives who aren't churchgoers. We need to we need to pray them into heaven, of course. Exactly. You don't, you don't have to be a tongues-talking, Bible-thumping Christian to serve in office, of course. We actually have a secular society that gives us freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. and um, But we have as much right as they do to yes. put our people in. Exactly. And uh, a lot of Christians are just way too passive. And I've seen that working in some political careers where I tried to get, you know... Uh, people that would theologically agree entirely with with my friend that I'm referring to. And the pastors were, well, you know, I mean, we've got some people of the other political party, and we don't want to upset anybody, and, you know, we've got our plates full. And I'm going, like, can't you see what's going to happen? Yeah. We almost had a socialist elected governor last time. Instead, we got Ron DeSantis, who... uh, Charlie Kirk says is the best governor in the state. And, uh, I mean, the the socialist, he was an avowed socialist. He called himself a socialist. Yeah. He almost won. Yeah. And, uh, boy, our life during COVID would have been very different yes. if the other guy had been governor. But, anyway, I digress. And, uh, you know, I, the article, I'm looking at the article that you did, and, and uh, you quoted... Uh, Cheon as saying, don't be discouraged by a setback. I love this nation, and I want to see transformation like never before. Remember the prophet Haggai said, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. So with that, um, we'll wrap up this podcast. And as we do, I want to give you the last word. Well, I uh, just can't agree with you more. The the spiritual condition of our nation is always going to be a re- reflection of the spiritual condition 
in the body of Christ. You know, Jesus gave us strong words, do not put your light under a bushel basket. That lamp has to be on a lampstand, and it's going to give light to everyone in the house. I'm so thankful uh, that Cheon is taking this message around the country, encouraging churches to let your light shine. Well said, and uh, people can find that article on charismanews.com. You can share this podcast. That's really how the podcast grows, is when people share it. You can email it. You can post it on social media. Even though social media is clamping down on things they don't like, uh, they haven't actually attacked revival itself. To them, it's kind of not relevant at all, but... um, it doesn't matter. We have to speak up. <laughs> we have to uh, get around it somehow. We have to get the message out. And sharing a podcast like this, as simple as it is, does help uh, bring attention. There's going to be pastors and others who are are motivated by this. That's why we do these podcasts. So I appreciate you uh, recognizing this story and covering it for us. And you did a very good job on the article and articulated very well for Che. Uh, sooner or later, I will track him down and talk to him again. He's, he's just a wealth of information and inspiration. He's so inspirational. Indeed. And thank you to my listeners for listening to The Strang Report. Tune in again tomorrow for another episode on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Strang. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, The Strang Report, on charismamag.com. Again, it's The Strang Report on charismamag.com. This is Stephen Strang, and I'm back in the studio, and I just want to add something to this podcast. First of all, you must have enjoyed it if you're still with me. Second of all, I hope it made you want to read the book. As I said earlier, it will be out September 7th. That's the day after Labor Day. That's the day when Amazon will ship your book if you pre-order it. We will actually have copies a couple of weeks before that so they can have time to go to all the stores. I'll be promoting it in lots and lots of ways. You can find out about it on my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. There is a trailer to the book. There's some sample things that you can read. You can buy autographed copies of all the books that I've written. So just check out my site, stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang. No E on the end of Strang, and then the word books.com. If you know me, you know I go by both Steve and Stephen. With the book, I go by Stephen, but the website is stevestrangbooks.com. I don't even know. When somebody asks me what what they should call me, sometimes I don't even know what to say. So anyway, I just wanted to... uh, help you remember how to say the name of the website. Thank you for listening to my new podcast, God and Cancel Culture. I believe it's the most important book I've written. God bless you.